Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video or online at fellowshipgj.com. Or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service.
strip everything else away and just have an intimate moment with the Lord so you can be reminded of his love for you and you can share your love with him. Amen.
we praise God not for the what, but for the who, yeah. for who he is. Yeah. He is worth our praise. And I feel like there's, there's some of us, whether you're tuning in from home or if you're in this room that are in the middle of your circumstances that are trying to lie to you, telling you that God's not good, that he doesn't have a plan, that, that there is something that is stronger, something formed against you that can prosper. That is all lies. And I just wanna loose in the name of Jesus, supernatural strength over every single one listening to this or in this room to stand in the face of what the enemy is throwing and say, my God is good. My God is worth it. I will praise his name no matter what's in my face because he has my eternity already written and I will see him face to face. Jesus, thank you for who you are, that we will see victory the end of the story, you win, and we're with you in paradise. So Father, I pray for strength for the people that are hurting, for the heartbroken. I pray for hope for the people that are hopeless. God, I pray that you be their strength, that you be that hope. And in the face of the enemy right now, not for what you will do for us, but because of who you are, we say, Jesus is King. Jesus is King. Jesus is King highest praise to you, God. We love you, knowing, God, that the battle does belong to you and that you won't forsake us. So Lord, I pray, God, that you can open our eyes to see the things that you want us to see and open our ears to hear the things that you want us to hear. And no longer do we give any sort of time of day to our circumstances and to the hardships in our life. God, you are above that and, and you are calling us above that too. So Jesus, we, we invite you in. Holy Spirit, we invite you in. Speak to us, God. Prepare our hearts for what you want us to hear, for you want us to receive, Jesus, because the things that come from you are far more valuable than anything else the world can give. So we join you today, God, and we thank you. And we lift your name in praise. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Come on, give him another shout of praise. He's good. He is good. He is good. For those of you that are here in person, say hello to somebody, say good morning and find your way to your seats. For those of you that are tuning in online, I just love to welcome you. Thank you so much for hanging out with us in this Sunday morning. I just would love to hear also where you're tuning in from. So visit us in the chat and just type it in where you're um, visiting from. If you wanna send pictures, that's extra credit. I think that's awesome to be able to see where you guys are tuning in from, but it's great to see how Fellowship Church's reach is going far beyond just this community, but all over the world. So thank you for tuning in. We look forward to engaging with you here in service. We are gonna, man, we are, I'm just super excited. God's gonna do some amazing things today. He really is. And I think he's preparing um, our hearts for a lot of things. For those of you that are new to our church or you wanna, maybe you've been visiting for a little while or listening for a little while and you wanna take a step and try and connect with us, I invite you to get your phones out and text the word fellowship to 94,000. That'll get you to a few different links. One is to just say that you're new here and you can immediately get in contact with us and staff. There's a bunch of other different things on there like serving opportunities and some of our latest things as well. So if you text the word fellowship to 94,000, there's a lot of different ways and more information that you can get. Um, for those of you that are visiting with us in person, we'd love to give you um, a free specialty drink for you and any uh, person in your party um, at the info center, as well as a little gift bag. So if you are, are new here, please come and visit us. We'd love to be able to see you and say hi. If you're online visiting us, text that uh, fellowship to 94,000. 
We're gonna continue our worship of our great God with the giving of tithes and offerings. And this morning I was on my YouVersion Bible app and my life group were doing a Bible plan. And one of these verses in the Bible plan just really jumped out to me. It's Hebrews 13. I'm gonna read it out of the Amplified Version. And it says this, let your character or your moral essence and your inner nature be free from the love of money. Shun greed, shun greed. Be financially ethical. Being content with all that you have. That's hard to do, being content with everything that you have. But be content with everything you have. And this is where the promise comes in. This is Paul's direction, and now he comes into a promise. And he says this, for he, meaning God, has said, I will never under any circumstances desert you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake you or let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. So we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently say, the Lord is my helper. In time of need, I will not be afraid for what will man do to me? That's just promise out of scripture. So for those of you that are struggling financially or anything like that, just know that the direction is, man, don't, don't have a love for money, have a love for God. And if you do that, everything's gonna be fine. Everything's gonna be fine. He won't relax his hold on you. It's like he's got you in this bear hug and he won't let go. He won't let go. So no matter what financial stress is going on in your lives, if, if you need a financial breakthrough, I'd love to just pray for you today and that we can come behind that promise knowing that God says that he will not forsake us for, any, for anything and there's nothing that can separate us from his love. So if you need a financial breakthrough, um, I'd love to just pray for you guys. And Jesus, thank you. Lord, thank you for your heart for us. Thank you for your love for us. And Lord, we just accept that promise. We receive that promise that you won't let us go. So God, we love you. And we know that giving is a way that we can love you back. So Lord, money doesn't hold our hearts. You do. You do, God. And so as we lift our hearts up to you, God, I pray that you can receive and bless all the different offerings and gifts that come in um, today and then through the week. God, thank you so much for that. And I pray that you can lay your hand of blessing on every single person that needs it. Lord, we need you no matter what. So I pray that you can give us a special touch from you in your heavenly name, amen. As you guys do give, there's a lot of different ways um, to give here at the church. There's the Church Center app, which is the easiest. If you're at home, that's really easy to be able to do. You can also do the text to give. Stop in during the week, drop a check off, say hey, get some prayer, something like that. It'd be awesome to be able to see you. For those of you um, in person with us, we also have all of our offering boxes um, in the lobby for you as well. Now, there's a lot of different things going on here at Fellowship Church. Here's a few of them. Spiritual Warfare 1.0 is starting this Tuesday, August 24th. And there's a cost of $18 and that gets you the workbook. If you need more information on this course or want to sign up, please check it out on the Church Center app. August 29th, we're going to be doing our baby dedication services at 9 and 11 a.m. So if you have a child that was born recently and you are ready to dedicate their lives to the Lord and make a promise to raise them in a godly fashion, please check out the registration event for our baby dedication services on the Church Center app. October 21st through the 23rd is going to be our women's retreat. Now, this is going to be a very amazing, special weekend for the women of our church. Now, this is a first-come, first-serve event, and it will go live on the church 
Church Center app today at 1 p.m. So you need to have the Church Center app set up. So if you don't have that and you need help finding it, please come talk to us at either the Information Center or over at the west end of the lobby. We'll have more information there and we can help you set up that app and get you signed up for this event. It's gonna have a cost of $299 and it's gonna get you a weekend in the mountains up in hot Sulphur Springs, Colorado near Steamboat. It is a beautiful location, beautiful venue for this retreat. Our men's retreat that happened there earlier this year was so special and we are expecting big things out of the women's retreat as well. So please do not miss out on this opportunity. We are starting another round of Rooted courses here at Fellowship Church. And to give you an idea of what Rooted looks like, here is a couple's experience in this video. Rooted meets everyone where they're at, regardless of which age and stage they're in. Regardless if you're saved this morning or you've been longtime Christian, the only thing I think is imperative and really helped us was that everyone was at the same stage. Because mm -hmm. then you have more to relate on. The curriculum is structured to where it's a tool to help you get to know your group. Mm -hmm. So you walk in and you're kind of nervous. You're like, I don't know them, they don't know me, how's this gonna work? And by the end of it, it's like you've known each other your whole lives. Just with the actual activity and sharing your experiences, then it's just sinking it in even deeper yet. So all I can say is if you're nervous on that first day, give it 20 minutes. It's worth it because, I mean, the relationships that you develop and a lot of people might feel alone, especially these days with everything that's going on in the world. You gather together and you feed off of each other. And whether you're the outspoken one like me or the more reserved one, I mean, there's a spot for you. I did not expect or anticipate how close. Mm -hmm which makes sense because it's, it's a life group now, but coming into it, I thought it was a group that put all out there on the table and we all grew together in our faith. You know, you can lead a group. You can just show up and be a part of one, but regardless, like you're going to find community and you're gonna grow deeper relationships all while going deeper with Christ. So do it. Just hands down, do it. Rooted is such a special course and such an amazing way to get rooted here into Fellowship Church, but also in your faith. So if you feel like God is urging you to take this course, please check out the Rooted information on the Church Center app. Get signed up for that course. It happens Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. Please check out Rooted on the Church Center app. As always, check out our Church Center app to see what's going on here at Fellowship Church. Enjoy the rest of today's service. Well, good morning, church family. You're gonna have to wake up and get with me today. I'm excited about this word. Let me try that again. Good morning, church family. There you are. Are you ready for this word today? I wanna dive right into scripture because you don't need to hear what I have to say. What we need to hear today is what God has to say. So I wanna take a look at a story found in Mark chapter eight. We're gonna dive right in and it says this starting in verse 22. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a, bl a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village, 
And when he had spit on the man's eyes, what? What did that say? When Jesus had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked him, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. And once more, Jesus put his hand on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were open and his sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. And Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. Now, the, the story kind of takes a little turn here because now we get to eavesdrop on a conversation that takes place with Jesus and his disciples right after this took place. In verse 27, it says, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked them, who do people say that I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah. You are the Messiah. Today I wanna to speak to you from the subject, starting to see, starting to see. Would you pray with me before we dive into this today? Heavenly Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would meet with us right now in this room, that God, as you've already um, met with us this, in this worship time. I just pray that you would be with us now. Help us, God, I pray you'd free us from any distractions. I pray that you'd speak through me, that I wouldn't be a distraction, but uh, I would just be an instrument for your word today. Uh, people don't need to hear my opinions, they need to hear your word. So God, uh, open our eyes and allow us to see you and see your plan for us. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Well, uh, if you've ever read this story before, uh, we know that Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And he's talking to his disciples. And many of us, where our minds rush, is we immediately rush to Peter's answer. And we think, well, this is the beautiful moment where in Scripture, Peter gives the revelation, recognizes this is the Son of God. And he says, you are the Son of God. You're the Messiah. But, but I think if we just rush to Peter's answer, what we can miss is, is the silence of the eleven. Because by rushing to the fact that Peter had something to say, we can bypass the fact that there was 11 men who lived their lives with Jesus who had nothing to say. And I, I just wanna suggest to you today that the silence of the 11 in this story can scream louder than the answer of the one. That, that Peter had an answer, but there was 11 who, who didn't even take a stab at it. They didn't even have an opinion on who Jesus might be, and this is shocking because, again, these men lived their lives with Jesus. Every day they got up and they watched Jesus do miracles and fulfill prophecy and raise people from the dead. I mean, every day they got up and they watched Jesus do his work. Now, I think that this is even more embarrassing than the naysayers because the naysayers at least had formed an opinion about Jesus. They didn't believe him, they didn't agree with him, but but at least they had something to say. They, they, they took a stab at it. And Jesus is living with these 12 men and 11 of them don't even have the courage to stand up and say that they're for him. Don't even have the courage to stand up and say that they believe he is who he says he is. And let me tell you, it is a terrible thing to lead people who do not respect who you are. And that's what Jesus shows us here is that he's leading a group of people and 11 of these men still haven't even formed an opinion of who he is. 
He said, who do, you, who do you say that I am? And it's in this moment now. And let me tell you, I, I don't want people around me who are silent about what they think about me, what, what they believe about me. I mean, if you're for me, then be for me. If you love me, then, then love me, right? But it, that, that's kind of what we see here where, where these 11 guys, they're quiet. But Peter, man, it's, it's beautiful when he, he says, I know who you are. You're the son of God. You're the Messiah. You came to save the world. You came to forgive us of our sins. You came to to pay the price for us. I I know who you are. And it's amazing because Jesus even says, you didn't get this from flesh and blood. In fact, the gospel of Matthew records that that Jesus said that you didn't learn this from other people. The heavenly father showed you this. So somehow Peter gets this connection with the heavenly father before Jesus even goes to the cross. He has a connection with the heavenly father where God the father shows Peter that this is my son. And because of this revelation knowledge, God then tells Peter, you are the rock on which I'm gonna build my church. This revelation knowledge of who I have, who I am is the the rock in which I'm going to build my church on. That is revelation knowledge. He, he sees something that other people can't see. And that's where we see the contrast in this story in Mark chapter eight is that, that you have a blind man who's brought into a situation where there is a group of men who are with Jesus and they can't even see who he is. So, Peter is there and he's a part of this story because he can see who Jesus is, but we're gonna talk about here in a moment the fact that, that even Peter struggled with being able to see everything right. Even Peter struggled to be able to see all things correctly, though he had some things correct. And, and I wonder what it must have been like the dynamic between Peter and the rest of the group because when you start to understand something and God shows you something, it can be a little shocking when other people around you don't have the same understanding. Like, God is, you're here today, so I mean, that's evidence of the fact that God's been working on you and things. So God starts to show you different things in your life, how he's healing you and directing you and guiding you in different areas. And don't you recognize when God starts to show you certain things, you could start to wonder, like, how do other people miss this? How do you not get it? Because people will look at you and they're like, how do you believe that way? Why do you go to church on Sunday? Why do you give? Why do you, why do you serve? Why do you do all that? They just don't get it. And you can start to turn it around and be like, hold on, how do you not see it that way? Right, is there anyone in here? Am I the only one? It's like, you look at the world around you and, and you feel like they're just spinning out of control and you sort of like, man, how, how can you see things the way you see them? And they're looking at you asking the same question. It's like, it, it, it's weird, right? But when God starts to reveal something, you, there's nothing that is going to change what God reveals to you. And when God starts to show you how he's working in your life and how he's moving and, and he starts to show you how much he loves you and the gifts that he's put in you and he's guiding you and directed you, there's nothing that's gonna change that. And we see that in this story, Peter starts to see. And it's interesting because there's so much blindness in Mark chapter eight that if we skip back just a couple of verses, we remember that that this story starts off with a group of, of people who bring a blind man to Jesus. But, but the blind man's not the only one with side issues. 
He's coming out of Bethsaida, which can't see who Jesus is. He's coming out of a, a region and a city that, that can't tell who he is. And he's coming before a group of people who are living with Jesus. And this group of people can't see who he is. There's so many sight issues. There's blindness all throughout this story. And, and today I want to look at this story a little bit closer. Because this blind man, though he wasn't the only one who was blind... We can learn so much about how he comes out of his blindness in this story. And there's so much beautiful things that we can contrast from, from his side of it, from Peter's side of it. But this isn't just a Bible story. I believe that this is something that is not just in his historical context. This is alive and active for today. And I believe that there is good stuff that you can pull out of it for your life right now. And God wants to speak to you right now. So if you want to hear God's word, you want to dive into this, give me a hey. Because I believe that if we wake ourselves up and pay attention to the fact that God's word is living and active for today, it can change you today. That's why I'm here, that's why I'm on this stage, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing with my life is because I know that this is not just a historical book, but God wants to use it to change your life now. It is the word of God. So today I wanna talk about this man. And this man, when I was brought up in church, how many of you were brought up in church? Like, yeah, you, okay, you did Sunday school, vacation Bible school, all the stuff. You're, you remember Bible stories. And, and, and if you don't remember this Bible story, we'll catch you up real quick. But I remember in this Bible story, I always recalled it as being the, the man who needed a second touch. And it makes sense because, right, the, Jesus hawks a loogie on the guy and then uh, ask him if he could see. He can't see, so he has to touch him again, all right? And we think, okay, yeah, the guy that needed the second touch. It makes sense. But when you read this, and we just read it together, it, it kind of frustrates me. I'm like, whoever told me this is the guy with the, that needed the second touch didn't read the scripture. They didn't count, right? Because Jesus doesn't just touch the man two times. And I think it's important. Dan, why are, you, why are you focusing on how many times Jesus touches the man? Because we skip over one of the most important touches that Jesus gives this man. And, and, and I think that if we skip over this first step of this man coming through the process of becoming whole in his relationship with God, that, that many of us, when we go through this part of the process in our own lives, get so frustrated. And we start to think, man, I don't know if my faith is working. I don't know if that church is working. I don't know about this whole God thing. I don't know because we don't understand that this is part of the process. So I want to talk to you about the first touch, the first touch that gets skipped over so many times. If we go back, starting in verse 22, it says, they came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. Verse 23, he took the man by the hand and led him outside of the village. That's the first touch. Jesus grabs the man by the hand and takes him outside of the village. Now, this is my question for you. This man came to Jesus because he had a condition that he desperately needed changed. He, he had the condition of blindness and he needed that blindness to be fixed. He needed sight, he needed vision. Now, my question for you is, when you know you've received a touch from Jesus, and your condition still hasn't changed, what do you do? 
Because I think that that is something that so many of us struggle with, but we've never talked about it. What do you do when I know that I've met with Jesus? I know I've asked him to forgive me of my sins. I know that I've gone to church. I, I know that I met with him on Sunday. I know that I've met with Jesus, but I'm still in the same condition I've been in. Because this man, he gets, Jesus takes him by the hand and he starts leading him out of the city, but the man's still blind. He still can't see anything. And he's just being led along now by Jesus, not knowing where he's going. And and the first touch we recognize here is so important because the first touch was not to heal the man. The first touch was to bring the man out of the environment of fear and doubt and pride and all sorts of issues that were keeping him broken and keeping him stuck in the very place he was. So Jesus is saying, the first thing I gotta do is I've gotta get you out of Bethsaida. See, you're, you're not whole, you can't see, your vision is messed up because you've been hanging around too much in Bethsaida. And some of you, you can already start to, to link the picture together in your own mind of you're starting to recognize there's some area of your life that you've been hanging around in too much. And that's why you're staying broke. That's why right now that you're, you're frustrated and you're not seeing things clearly because Bethsaida rep- represents influence and, and opinions and people's different ideas about life and the way that church should be and the way that God could do things and should do things and will do things. And, and through the world's opinion, it's keeping people broken and stuck. And Jesus is saying, the very first thing I'm gonna do with you is not to just change your condition, but I'm gonna get you out of the atmosphere that's keeping you in the condition that you're stuck in. And so many of us need to recognize right now that maybe that's exactly what God is doing to you. That you've asked him, God, would you fix my sight? Or God, would you get me out of this addiction? God, would you, would you take me out of this depression? God, would you take me out of a place of anxiety? And all of these different things we pray to, for God to fix our condition, we can start to get frustrated and going, I don't feel like he's done anything about my depression or my anxiety. I'm still struggling with this addiction. I'm still struggling with this sin. I'm dealing with all of these issues, but for some reason, now all of a sudden, I don't feel comfortable where where I used to feel comfortable. I'm not in the same place that I used to be in anymore. Is there anyone in here that you, you don't feel comfortable where you used to feel comfortable? It's like your appetites have changed, right? You can't even sin the way you used to sin. <laughs> it's like some of you are laughing quiet because you're like, you don't want to admit that's you, but you've tried, right? You've tried to go back. You tried to go back to the club. Like you remember, you still got the outfits from when you used to go. When you, you, you're thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it back out. I'm going uh, to just go get, get my party on, have a good time, right? And you come in there and you feel just as uncomfortable as everybody else in the room once you come in there because they're like, they recognize you don't fit there as much as you recognize you don't fit there anymore. And that's the whole thing where God is bringing you out. He's bringing you out of an atmosphere now and it, where where I can't even listen to the same things on the radio. I can't even see the same things on TV that I used to anymore. It's like my appetite has changed. It's like all of these things that like I used to be completely comfortable with, I'm not comfortable with anymore. 
It's like, I used to cuss like a sailor and now it's like it frustrates me when people around me use coarse language. It's like, these things don't even make sense to me because I'm still struggling. I still can't see right. I still have issues. But, but what's happening is God is bringing you out. God's bringing, I wonder, is he bringing you out? Is he bringing you out of relationships right now? Is he bringing you out of atmospheres? And you'll know it because you might feel like I'm not where I'm supposed to be, but I'm surely not where I used to be either. And I think that's where a lot of us are and we need to recognize that God might be bringing you out of something today. See, the first touch was not to heal him, it was simply to remove him from an atmosphere that was keeping him broke, keeping him stuck, because if he, if he heals you and fixes you in an atmosphere that is just going to destroy you again, then, then, then you're just gonna find yourself back in a cycle again of, of trying to get fixed again. But So why would he do that? No, he, he wants to bring you out first. He's gotta bring your mind out first, your thinking out first, your bring you some clarity first. So he brings the man out. That's the first touch. The first touch was to get him out of the atmosphere that he was in. And, and it's so interesting because this first touch, we have to recognize the Bible says that Jesus grabbed the man by the hand. Do you recognize it's not the other way around? It was the man who wanted healing. So I think we get it in our minds backwards sometimes where it's like we're reaching out towards God, but really it's God reaching out towards us. Because it was Jesus that grabbed the man by the hand, not the other way around. And I'm so thankful for that because the truth is the man's grip could be broken. And I know in my own walk with God, I am so thankful for the fact that it is not my grip that my relationship with God is, is contingent upon because I can, I can tend to let go of him. I can tend to lose my grip. I can slip away. I can fall. But, but God is holding on to you because he loves you. Man, is there any parents or toddlers in here? Anybody? I remember when my kids were toddlers. Good Lord, they would throw temper tantrums, Right? It's like I can remember so many times picking them up in Walmart when they are losing their stinking mind and screaming at me and clawing and doing everything they can. But just like a toddler clawing at you, if your daddy loves you, I'm gonna hold on to them and I'm gonna get them where they need to go and I'm gonna keep them safe no matter how they're acting. And that's what God shows us about the fact that it was Jesus that grabbed onto the man is that there are times in my life when I start kicking and screaming against God and I start fighting back against his plan for what he's trying to do for me. But he loves me enough, and I'm here to tell you he loves you enough that even though you're throwing the fit, even though you're screaming, he's still gonna hold on to you and still gonna accomplish his good work in your life. And that's the thing is that Jesus grabbed the man by the hand and he took him out. He brought him out. He brought him out of the addiction. He brought him out of the, the workplace environment that was so crude. He brought him out of those websites. He brought him out of the places that were, that were keeping him stuck, keeping him broke. He, he brought him out. And the very next thing is he, he then gives him the second touch because the Bible says he took the man by the hand and led him outside the village. And when he had spit on the ground, Spit, sorry, spit on the man's eyes. He put his hands on him and Jesus asked, do you see anything? So that's the second touch. He spits on him 
and he touches them. You're like, what is the whole thing with the spit? Well, there are many scholars that, that believe that, that, that the, back in this culture in this time, there were people who believed that spit had medicinal properties to it. Does that mean that Jesus was like trying to follow the pharmaceutical recommendations of the day? No, what that means is that Jesus was just meeting this man exactly where he was. And that, you know, he didn't have to have all the right answers. He didn't have to have all the Bible stories right and all the books of the Bible memorized and the verse of the day or any of that for Jesus to meet him where he was at. No, he, he just went to Jesus and Jesus met him right where he is at. So he was showing him when he spit there, he was showing him, listen, what I'm, what I'm doing now is I'm starting to do a healing work in your life. And that's what Jesus will do is he'll, He'll take you out of where you have been and then he'll start to show you that he's changing things. So he touches him with the second touch. He, he, he spits on, uh, on him and then he touches him and he then asks him a question and the question is a test, right? Because every touch with God, there then comes a test. God wants to know, is my seed taking root in their life? Is, is my word changing this person and convicting this person? Are they, are they following through with what I created them to do? So every time God touches you, there's a test there. So he, he touches them and then he asks them, he asks them the test, do you see anything? And the man answers back a very strange thing because he looks around and he, he recognizes like, I can see, I just can't see clearly. So he's like, I see, but but everything's blurry. I see, but, but men look like trees walking around. And it's so beautiful, this contrast in scripture here, because we see in Mark 8 that you have one blind man that when God starts to open his sight, he looks around and he can't see the men. All he can see are trees. And then you have all of the men that are around Jesus, that their eyes are open and they can see the man, Jesus, but they can't see the tree that he's eventually going to end up on. Because scripture tells us that even with Peter, Peter, God just said, you're the rock. Because God gave you revelation knowledge, I'm gonna build my church on this rock. The same Peter could not see that Jesus needed to go to the cross and hang on a tree for you and I. So when it came that time, uh, he, he stopped Jesus and said, you can't go to the cross. And Jesus said, get behind me and calls him a devil. The same Peter who saw one thing so clearly, who could see the man, could not see the tree. And you have a blind man who can see the tree, but who cannot see the man yet. What an interesting contrast here. What is Mark trying to show us? He's trying to show us that though you may be clear on certain things, you're probably still blurry in another area. Because Peter, he was the rock, right? He saw that Jesus is the son of God. He knew that, but he still didn't get that Jesus had to go to the cross and die for our sins. What am I trying to say? That the rock and the devil, that they were all in the same guy, sitting right there in the same guy. This tells me that I'm not alone, and I don't know about you, but I can be honest about myself, that I'm not alone when I look in scripture here and I go, sometimes I feel like there's the rock in me, and sometimes I feel like there's the devil in me. Sometimes I feel like I've got it all together, sometimes I can't see things. Sometimes I'm righteous about things, sometimes I'm completely blind to things. But sitting here in the same guy, I got certain things, 
figure it out. In other things, I am totally stinking messed up on. Am I the only born in this room who, who, who doesn't, I can't, I'm not crazy, right? Like, do I need to lay down on a couch in front of you and start paying you and telling you as I give all my stories right now? Because, and I know some of you are acting like, oh no, I got it all together. You just keep looking forward, act like you're confused by what I'm saying, and we'll all believe that you got it all together. You have no idea what it's like to struggle, right? Just your spouse is the only one who knows how messed you up you really are. But anyways, because... Inside me, I can, you, do you know what it's like to, you got certain things figured out, but you're blind to other things? It's like, it, great, you got a law degree. You, you understand the law. That doesn't help me when it comes to medicine, right? Damn, that's op- oversimplifying things. No, I, I think it's pretty simple that we need to understand. You can ha- understand certain things in, a spiritual, uh, in the spiritual realm that, that you, you've got it right, but but you're, you're still not seeing straight. Where this man, he could see, but it was blurry. It's like, I can see, but I know my vision's not where it's supposed to be. The thing about having blurry vision, I know because I'm supposed to be wearing glasses right now. I've had a prescription for, for like 15 years and I just still don't wear them. I don't like to wear them. But what it means is I could still see you, right? But past like the fourth or fifth row, I can't see any of your faces, so I don't know if you're smiling. I don't know if you're asleep. <laughs> you know, it's like, but, but I could see you. And for some of you, that's a good thing because I don't want to see you like grumping at me right now. But, but, but others, it's like, like you're smiling at me right now. I can't tell if you're smiling at me. I can't tell if you got a tick and you're something in your eye. I don't know. But, but what it goes away when you're blurry is details. Like you're there, but... I can't really see the details clearly. I can see the tree over there, but I can't really see if there are leaves or not. I mean, and, and that's what goes away when, when you're blurry in your vision in life. It's like, I know that God is good, but now the details are unclear. I don't know, should, should I sell this house or should I, should I keep it? Should I take this job or that one? Should I, like the details in my life, he hasn't given me real clear direction. Should I marry this woman or not? Should I, should I, should I move here? Should I stay here? What should I do? It's like the details in life get blurry. And anytime the details in our life are blurry, we're in this blurred stage. And this is where we should stop and not do anything. Because when you're in the blurred stage, Man, you can wreck your life. Don't you know people in the blurred stage, like I've seen people who have made the worst decisions in the world because they're trying to make decisions in a blur. Stop making definitive statements and stop making decisions when you can't see clearly. So, I'm telling you, someone needed to hear that. That's the reason you got out of bed. That's the reason you're listening to this online right now is because you keep making definitive statements and making decisions about your life that are going to affect your future and you can't see clearly. And this man was in a blurred stage and he couldn't see clearly and he was frustrated about this. And and it's like, 
Man, I've seen people that get married in a blur. I've seen people get divorced in a blur. I've seen people quit jobs in a blur and affect the, the entire uh, future. Their, their entire destiny gets affected by the decisions we make sometimes when they're blur. How many of you have ever made a stupid decision because you just didn't know what to do? Man, Lord, help us, right? It's like you look around and every older person in the room just raised their hand. They're like, yeah, we, I've lived enough life to do that. And if you've ever lived enough life to make a dumb decision in a blur, then what you know is in the blurred stage, you don't need to do anything. Don't make those decisions. Don't say those things. Don't tell other people what you see because what you see is not clear. Uh, you're looking out and you're seeing trees. Well, is that trees or is that men? Is that a man or a man that needs to go to the cross? Like, we don't see things clearly. And, and man, we destroy people sometimes by trying to judge other people by how, the way we say th see things. And we, we can't even see straight. We're seeing blurry. That's what Jesus tells us when he gives us the passage. He says this in Matthew Chapter seven, verse three. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? It's like we try to judge other people and see the problems with other people and saying, you're not seeing clearly yourself. You're in a blurred stage. You're seeing things blurry. And when you're in a blur, then you're in a stage where you're recognizing, listen, I'm not where I'm going to be, but I certainly am not where I need to be either. Like I, I know that I'm not where I was in the past, that, that, that I'm not doing the same things I used to. I'm not in the same atmosphere anymore. I'm, I'm trying to turn my life around. I'm trying to read my Bible. I'm trying to follow him and he's changed me. He started to do work in my life, but, but, but I'm still in a stage right now where I'm just, I'm confused. I can't see clearly. I, I'm just blurry. And don't you recognize that the world Normally, the voices that are the loudest in the world are the blurry ones. Like right now, with everything going on, I don't care what side of, of the argument you're on, um, all the arguments about mandates and not mandates and mask and no mask and all that sort of stuff, it's like, it's all blurred people that don't have it clear. So it's like, here's what we know, know about your opinion on one side or the other, is we don't need to hear it because it's not clear. It's like only the Heavenly Father is clear on these things and we start speaking sometimes when we don't need to be speaking because we're speaking about things that we can't see clearly on. So Jesus takes this man from a blind state to a blurred state and he asks him the question, what do you see? Can you see anything? And I love this man's answer because this man was so honest could it be that this man received wholeness and healing not just because of his faith, but because of his honesty? That he was willing to admit, you know what? I received a touch from Jesus and I, I was changed, but it wasn't enough. Ooh. Wait, you mean you met with God and that wasn't enough? You met with Jesus and that wasn't enough? That's blasphemy. You can't come into church and talk that. I mean, that's the way we've been taught, right? 
So what do most of us do in life when we feel like we're struggling, when we can't see clearly? Well, I go to church. I was raised in the church. I mean, I know who my God is. I don't want to sound like I don't have faith. I don't want to sound like I'm being negative. I don't want to sound anything like that. So I've got to act like I got it all together. So here's the truth about many of us. When Jesus asked you, can you see? A lot of us would have said, yeah, I'm good. I'm fine. How would this story end? If we look at this in Mark chapter eight, how would it end if, if, if this man was as honest as many of us in this room are? Because we got it together, right? It's Sunday morning, I got my Sunday best on, I look good, God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. I know the cliches to say, I've got, I'm good. Panicking on the inside, can't see clearly, don't know what the next day is gonna bring. We're blurry. And I think for a lot of us, we think because of our ego, we don't wanna let people down, we don't want to disappoint people, don't wanna disappoint friends. We're never honest with the fact that, you know what? Jesus has been working in my life and I'm changed, but I'm still not where I'm supposed to be and I still can't see things clearly. And it was only after this man was honest with Jesus because that was the test. You, you think God didn't know if he gave him clear sight or not? Asked, what do you see? Is this man honest? Does he really want to rely on me? Because here's the thing. Our, our walk with God is what changes us. And see, what a lot of us wanna do is we wanna just break it down into moments and think, well, it's the moment of healing that would change me, and then from then on, everything's perfect and everything's fine for the rest of my life. But God's going, no, no, he doesn't want his relationship with you to just be a moment. He wants to walk with you, so, so he'll take us through things, and then he'll ask us questions and take us through more things and develop us and grow us through a process in life. So, so what'll happen is God will ask us, can you see, why didn't you just heal him in the first place? Because God wants to continue this conversation and, and, and grow this man and change this man the way he's doing life to where this man's now relying on God and talking to God and growing with him. So he's honest with him. He's God, God, you've been working on me. You've been changing me, but I still have this problem. I still have this addiction. I still keep going back here and going back to these relationships and all the stuff that's bad for me and these bad atmospheres. And it's then that God can start to bring you into wholeness. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me, I, I wanna ask you, just out of honesty's sake, because I, I think that's where many of us are in this room today, is you'd recognize God's brought you out of things that the environment you're in has changed. And I think you'd recognize that, that maybe you're not seeing things so clearly, but maybe the reason why you haven't received wholeness and clarity and different areas of your life is because you haven't been honest with God enough to just say, God, I still need help. I'm still messed up. I still can't see. So with no one looking around, I just wanna pray for you before we dismiss today. I wanna ask you if that's you and you need to be honest with God and say, God, I need another touch. Put your hand up in the air and let's pray together. God, you see our hands. You see us being honest with you right now. We need another touch. And I, for whatever reason, whether it be our pride or us afraid we're being too negative or whatever, that we haven't just been honest with you in the past, 
We pray that you'd forgive us for that. And we pray that you'd help us in our honesty with you right now, where we say, God, we need you. We thank you for what you've done and we thank you for how far you've taken us, but we still need your help. We still rely on you. We still need you to give us clarity and vision and and healing and wholeness in our lives. So, So God, I pray that you would be with each and every one of my brothers and sisters, my friends in this room. Bless us, God, bring us to wholeness and whatever step of the process we're in, God, we pray that you would help us to continue to rely on you and just keep talking to you and keep letting you lead us around wherever you're gonna lead us. And for those of us in the blurry stage, help us to shut our mouths and just follow you and be honest with you. Because God, what we really truly want is that you would fix our sight, we'd start to see, and then God, when we can see and we can see completely, you'd help us to interpret and understand what we're seeing. So please be with us, God, help us in our everyday lives. Help us as we wake up on Monday morning and go to the workplace to see things the way you want us to. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said, amen. Let's give our God a shout of praise and thank him for how good he is. I love you, church family. I hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you for joining with us online. We will see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this, in your precious Son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text HEAVEN to 94000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting prayer support to 94,000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text Fellowship to 94,000 to connect with one of our staff. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week in person or online.